Welcome. Thanks for tuning in to Linden Road's online worship experience. So grateful you have found us. If this is your first time, we want to give a special welcome to you and say thanks for checking us out. And you could do us a favor by clicking on the digital connection card up here in the corner or by leaving a comment here in the chat, just an email address and maybe a prayer request you might have or if there's some information that we could pass along to you. But we're so grateful that you're here and certainly hope it's not your last time. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you, and we're grateful, too, that you are here with us today. And again, would it extend to you the same opportunities to use the digital connection card or leave a comment here in the chat just how we uh, can be connected and if there's something that we need to know. And so, again, grateful that you're here. I want to share about the amazing experience we had here in the community at the Ark Empowerment Center downtown. Uh, the uh, new generation singers were here from St. Joe's, Missouri. And a number of us hosted those young people in our homes uh, from uh, freshman in high school all the way up through college age. A delightful group of 60 students. But we were so blessed that uh, as they came to town, they stopped by the Jericho Wall. And just want to use that as another way to tag to say some good things continue to happen there. But they came and and spent time in prayer at the wall. It was so impressive to see these young people. And so I'd love to share with you a video here from their time here in Mansfield as they came to us from the state What's of What's up guys? We just left Clay City, Indiana, and we're going to Mansfield, Ohio. Having a great bus ride. Um, yeah. Thank you. 
Okay, New Generation Singers are here in Mansfield, Ohio. Behind me, you can see a community project. Hang on. Uh, that they're calling the Jericho Wall. It's going to be a memorial for folks who have lost their lives to suicide or addiction and a place for families to come and gather and maybe offer support and, and hope for others that might be in a similar situation. Our host here is part of this project and our performance tonight is tied to this, helping uh, bring awareness to this community project that's happening. And we're just excited and, and gosh, really honored to be a part of it. Just want to let you guys know the cool things your kids are doing. So it was such a beautiful night, and Melinda and I had the pleasure of hosting a couple of the uh, younger ladies, uh, two freshmen, Charlie and uh, Garrison. They were such a lot of fun to have. Uh, kind of crazy. Got to our house at 10 o'clock, and they still wanted to go out and run a mile. So it was a late night, but an early morning, and got on the bus and headed off to Buffalo, New York. But there's a link here in the worship notes that if you'd like to know more about them, such an encouragement to, to spend an evening with them and to hear such amazing music. And then as we come to worship, I want to make you aware that in two weeks, we're going to start a 10-day prayer journey uh, using a prayer guide from the He Gets Us campaign as a way to leverage this series called Unhindered, where we're looking at how the kingdom grew uh, from the book of Acts to today and how even today things are unhindered. But we also know that prayer is the life breath of all ministry. And so we want to lean into an intense prayer journey that we will begin August 1st. And there's also a version plan that I want us to lean into starting this week. And so Monday morning, if you would, let's uh, join together on the version Bible app and let's lean into this He Gets Us seven-day Bible reading plan. There'll be a link here in the worship notes. It'll also be through our app. It'll be the featured Bible plan. And I'd be interested in your thoughts as we go through each day. And we are in our eighth week of this series called Unhindered. And this week we're going to talk about how the gospel is unhindered. And the big idea I want to lay out is, as we've looked even up to this point in the New Testament especially, is that the gospel is for everyone. That when we look at God's kingdom, that there is no partiality, there is no bias, there's no hindrance to who can receive the good news of Jesus. This good news of our forgiveness of sins and the offer of eternal life that those things are available through a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. And we know that even earlier in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah uh, said that this was the reality of the Old Testament, that he knew that someday there was someone coming and that it was fulfilled, as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, for all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Let's begin with prayer. Lord, thank you for entrusting us with the light of the gospel. And God, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to give us courage and give us the energy to take this gospel to the very end of the earth, that you would empower us through your Holy Spirit to be able to share this amazing story with anyone and with everyone as we can, as we seek to see heaven bursting the seams with people from every tribe and every nation and every tongue under heaven. And we pray it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. We all know that there is one who came into the world, as the scripture tells us, that is the true light. And in coming into the world, he overcame all the darkness, we're told. And the question we need to wrestle through, and it's 
each of our responses to this amazing truth is, will we walk in his light? In the book of John, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Every morning, light appears, swallowing the shadows of the night. It shines, making everything visible. There is a light that no darkness can overcome. As the psalmist said, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. Jesus is this light. Through holiness, through love, he shines. In his light, we see true light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. All who believe in his name have become children of his light, a lamp on a stand, a city on a hill. We are no longer of the night, but children of the day. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And so uh, for those of us who have seen the light as it's laid out here, let me jump to the book of Ephesians where Paul writes in beginning with verse 1 and lays out to us what being in the light looks like. Paul says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be any hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this can be sure, no immoral, impure, or a greedy person, such as a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such thing, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are a light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. 
It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. When we look at these verses here from Ephesians 5, we find out what it's all about to walk in darkness. But we're also told what it looks like to walk in light. And as we watch this video on In the Light, it, this film helps to focus our minds on the primary truths about Jesus, right? To be reminded that he is the light of the world. And when we think about all that he offers us of restoration and hope, it is what makes him the true light. And, and what is that? Well, for sure, it's his victory on the cross where he conquered sin and death. And because of his actions, we are delivered out of darkness and brought into his kingdom of light. Now, this should be a huge encouragement to us as we walk as his children. Now, I want you to think about just the idea of what that means for you. And just even ask the question, and maybe it's a little meddling question, is how have you been walking in the light? Or how have you been walking in darkness? And where do you need God to show up? And to be reminded as we ponder those things is that his mercy and his grace are there for each of us. And so together as we are the church, we pray for one another and we ask the spirit to meet us in these moments, just like that he did uh, back in uh, Acts chapter two, when he showed up and did amazing things that he's still working today, to help each of us walk in the light of Christ. Now, you'll remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about and I posed the idea about the five main purposes of the church. And if you'll remember, I used the word dream, sort of modified a little bit because it didn't quite work to spell out the acronym I wanted, but it moved a couple words around. But when we think about the five functions of the church, we have discipleship and relationship or fellowship and evangelism and adoration of God and worship of God and then our ministry and so as we think about how do we proclaim the gospel, we, we see that as we've talked about over the number of weeks and whether we're talking about the, the stories from scripture or even as we talked last week with our friend Martin Welker, of how God shows up in the midst of our journey to leverage our moments of encounter with him and then how those encounters then can be used, our story if you will, to help others find the hope of the gospel. So as we talk about our series here, Unhindered, we know that over the last many weeks, we've looked at how this final word, literally in the book of Acts, leaves us with the greatest clue is that for us that are followers of Jesus today, to live in this crazy upside down world of ours today. How we as the followers of Jesus can live in the modern world. Even though this un unhindered may be the last word of Acts, for us, it's the first word for any of us who put our hope and faith and trust in Jesus in the risen King Jesus. Because in our relationship with him, we experience the way the kingdom advances. We experience his unhindered forgiveness. We experience his unhindered power. And then as we lean into today is this idea of the gospel, the good news that he sends out. Now I wanna unpack that a little bit because this word gospel, if we do a little word research on it, we'd find out that originally the word was gospel which in its original meaning was good news. And it comes to us from the Greek word evangelium, which also means uh, good news. And when we play it in the Christian context, this particular good news, this gospel, it refers to the salvation that comes to us through Jesus Christ. 
It is the good news that God loves us and has made a way for us to be reconciled to him through faith in Jesus Christ. This gospel includes this, that the, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that he was buried and rose from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's verses 3 and 4. And that also the gospel is a call to repentance and to faith in Jesus Christ. Again, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so this message, the gospel, the good news, it is a message of hope and grace and forgiveness. And it is available to all, to all who will believe. And we know this verse so well, right? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so for us as followers of Jesus, this gospel, this good news is the foundation of our faith and it's central to the teachings of the Bible. And that is amazing to us, right? That that is the amazing gospel. That is the good news that we receive. Now, I'm going to guess as we started with this idea of the light, right? That at some point you may have heard people say something like the light of the gospel or maybe you have even heard the phrase gospel light. Now, either way, the good news, the gospel that we talk about here is often referred to as a light because it leads mankind out of darkness and into the marvelous light of Christ. In fact, as we go back and look at Ephesians chapter 5, the things that we're led from and the things that light illumines and leads us into in our life in Christ. And so for us as followers of Jesus, we are to spread this light of the gospel to all nations. So let me just lay out a couple points then based on this. First of all, this first point is that we're to be the light, uh, being the light unhindered. Uh, it is to all nations. And it's interesting that this is a phrase that's found in the Old Testament. And we find it in a number of places, but in particular in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, he says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And what we have here in this passage is that God is speaking to his prophet, to his servant, who is believed by Christians to be a foreshadowing of a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And when we see this phrase, a light for the Gentiles, it means that the salvation that God offers through his servant is not just for the Jewish people but it's for all people, regardless of their ethnicity or their background. And what does that mean? Well, it means simply this, that as Christians, we are called to be the light to all nations by sharing the message of the gospel with others, that we need to be living lives that reflect the love and the character of Jesus Christ, and that doing good works that demonstrate this love will show the love of God to all those around us. And so what that means simply is that we're to reach out to all people and all nations, to all cultures and backgrounds with the message of the gospel, seeking to bring light and hope into their lives. We are called to be a living testimony of God's love and grace, where we're sharing the hope and the joy that we have found in our journey 
with Jesus Christ and with others. And then we're to share the gospel without hindrance. I have to say that, right? Without hindrance. It's to be unhindered with every tribe and nation and tongue under heaven. And then the second point here is that it's to be every tribe, nation, and tongue. Remember in the book of Revelation, we did a series on this back in the spring of 22. You can find a link here in the worship notes to that if you'd like to go back and watch that and listen to it called Return of the King. We hear all sorts of things about the divine visions that John had of heaven and how he saw God and what he saw about eternity. And there's all sorts of other things there in our faith. And we know that as we study that book, it's a very difficult book to understand. And the truth is, biblical scholars have been picking at it for, for a millennia. But the one thing from Revelation that comes across very clearly and is very sure in our understanding is this fact, that heaven will be filled with lots of diversity. John says this in Revelation 7, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. It's verse 9. So think about this amazing picture, this picture of heaven, and just ponder for a moment the type of people that you and I run into day in and day out. And I have to ask the question, is our life filled with that kind of uh, diversity? And I know we have to be careful about that word just because of how it gets unpacked in our culture, but what does it look like? What does our churches look like? Uh, what does our city look like? And to really ask the question, does our community look like the picture that John is, uh, describes here in Revelation 7? Now I know, as I say, these can be tough questions, especially today. But I also know that the gospel is for everyone. And so we need to let this be a reminder to us that heaven is going to be filled with people from all around the world. Heaven is a place where we will worship and praise without the hindrance of all these isms, racism and classism and sexism and anything else that sort of fits into that. Now, truthfully, it does sound like a pretty amazing place to me. And I think that's probably why Jesus is very clear to encourage us to go and tell everyone about this forgiveness, about this salvation, about the eternal life that comes through knowing him because he wants as many people as possible to find salvation in and eternal life. Okay, then we get to this idea, and we've, we've touched on it a couple times here, and I just want to unpack it a little bit more, is this, the Great Commission. And I'm guessing you're familiar with it, but if you aren't, it comes to us from the very end of Matthew's Gospel where Jesus says this, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You see, there's a beautiful teaching here about the command that we see at the beginning. And at verse 19, it says, go and make disciples. The important thing to remember is that it's not a singular destination of arrival. In fact, another translation says, as you go along, make disciples. It's how we live our life each day. It's how we live out each day here on earth. In fact, one author says it this way, wherever you are going, whenever you are going, and for whatever reason you are going, your assignment is always the same. As you are going, make disciples. So what does that mean? Well, whether you're in prison or in politics, or whether you're headed home to the same old coffee shop week after week, or 
If you're going to try something new and lean into a new coffee shop, uh, whether you're a student or you're a teacher, you're a mom or a dad, you're a pastor or a doctor, uh, the commission is the same. It's always the same for each of us. As we go along, as we do our life day in and day out, we are called to share the gospel with others, that that is the command. In fact, it is the imperative from Jesus. Bottom line is we're not to withhold it from anyone for any place or for any reason. We are to live with eternity in our minds and the gospel on our lips. And I know that's a heavy thing to have to understand. So let me ask you this, this simple question. What does it mean to live with eternity in mind? What do you think it looks like to live even with the gospel on your lips? Now, for me, and it maybe comes a little more easily only because I've gone to seminary and I've had some training, but I have to admit that the later in life that I get, the more risk-taking I'm willing to make in terms of helping people understand this hope that exists. I remember a few years ago, we went to the store to buy some technology here for the church. A number of the elders went with me, and, and I just started a conversation with our clerk, a young man who was excited to sell us a couple TVs uh, that we, and some USB drives and some mounts. And, and as I talked with him, I just began to ask simple questions, just to engage in a relationship kind of way with him to take it more than just transactional, to actually show some care. Because he was interested. Not everybody shows up in his store on a daily basis that wants to buy a couple TVs at the same time. In fact, we bought three. But I remember after that fact, a number of folks who have grown up in the church, who were good people, really questioned themselves about how is it that they can't have those kinds of sort of innocent conversations. And I think it's just this idea of understanding that we need to be willing to risk and engage people to know who they are. In fact, there's that adage that you maybe have heard that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And especially in this season, I think it's all about relationships and how we need to lean into that. And so it's those practical things. And that's where we're going to go in the weeks ahead is I hope to give you some tools on how you can have those kinds of conversations. And so then even back to this idea of why we're going to do this 10-day prayer journey is to help set the stage that we can't do ministry on our own, that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to equip us and to encourage us and to help us be bold like those early Christians were. But here's a couple questions that just even to prime the pump that when you're talking to somebody and wanting to share the gospel, just the idea of what do you think about Jesus? And I find, especially as I talk about the He Gets Us campaign, the number of people are growing who are seeing the, the ad campaign that's still ongoing. You remember we talked about this back at the Super Bowl and how people are still tracking and even the email this week from someone who had just gotten out of a prison that it was in response to a He Gets Us ad that we are participating with with the He Gets Us campaign. And then it doesn't have to be that. It can even be simply as you talk to people is, do you go to church? Or have you ever heard of the gospel? There's a real simple one. But if we think about it, Jesus is our model, and I think it's okay for us to ask questions. I think Jesus is probably the greatest question asker of all. And so as we lean into this and we think about the, how do we engage people, I want you to think about one thing. Paul says this in the book of Romans. He says in chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew 
and then to the Gentile. You see, when we, we share our faith, we can do it with confidence and even without hindrance. We need to stand on this idea that the kingdom of God has come. It is here. It is uh, the tension between heaven and earth that Jesus has taken on flesh. He's moved into the neighborhood. He's beat the devil. He's conquered the grave. He is now alive and sits at the right hand of the Father on high. And he sent the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about to come and be our helper, to give us the power to be able to share about the hope that's in us. And even if our lives are broken and messy, it, it still is that willingness to lean in. And so that we know very clearly that it, even to the ends of the earth, we've been called to go. That that's how far each of us are able to take this. And so in the scriptures, we're reminded that if the Son has set you free, then we are free indeed. And so my encouragement as we lean into this next sort of step of understanding being unhindered, I pray that we can run the race together and that we can run it without hindrance. Something we even reminded our senior Maddie Sheldon a few weeks ago is to remind her that the race as we handed her the baton, as we hand off that faith to the next generation. And then in all this, we can do it without fear and we can do it without reservation, that we can do it with boldness and with a certainty that we can make a difference. Because I can tell you in the conversations I have day in and day out, there are people hungering to know how they can get through life. And it's knowing Jesus will help them in that. And so I pray this week that we can live lives unhindered. And so let's pray. God, we are grateful for these truths. And I pray for my friends as we lean into looking at your scriptures about how you do get us. And then as we lean into an intentional time of, of praying together about how you would use us. And then as we look at the tools that can help us share the gospel, we pray that you would be made known and that lives would be changed. And we thank you for the promises that come to us because of who you are. And Jesus, we thank you in your name. Amen. I want to take us to a song that, uh, it, that our young friends sang. It's a song that I think helps us understand what we're called to do. And I can remember in this church, it's called Here I Am, Lord. A number of years ago, I had the pleasure of uh, officiating uh, Bob Mises' funeral. Bob actually sat a few rows behind me here. He came When I got to know him, he was in a wheelchair, had some mobility issues. But as he asked us to celebrate his life as he planned out his funeral. The song he wanted us to leave with was this song here. And I think as the young people sang this song, and I haven't heard this song in a while, it really moved me to be reminded that we are all here together and that we need to ask God to send us. And for some, it's not about going across the continent. It's literally about maybe going across the street, or it might even be going across the cubicle or just going across the table and having a conversation, but I hope you'll be encouraged by this great hymn.
people.